Amen. Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd ask you to fill out the attendance pads that are in each of the pews uh, and pass those along to those worshiping beside you so that we can have a record of your presence here with us in worship this morning. Greetings as well to those worshiping with us online this morning. We're glad to have you uh, with us in worship as well. Uh, this morning is uh, Coins for Missions Sunday. We didn't have the blue buckets out quite as early as we should have this morning, uh, but they are out in the narthex now. So if you made it in here into the sanctuary before we had those blue buckets out and you have your coins with you, uh, make sure to look for those as you exit the, the service today and uh, put your coins in those blue buckets for a number of mission projects that, that we support as a church. And uh, speaking of missions, our missions committee has decided not to have a fall bazaar this year, uh, but they are still going to have the uh, ham loaf sale. Uh, thank God for that. I need, need some more ham loaves. Um, so uh, this is going to be by uh, pre-order only. You're, you're, so that's what this uh, form in your and your bulletin is for you have this insert in your bulletin. This is an order form for your ham loaves, and uh, it's uh, this is more than an order form. This is also a volunteer form because it's going to take a lot of people uh, to make this happen. So if you'd like to volunteer to help uh, make the ham loaves or or package them or distribute them, uh, then you can use this form to volunteer for that as well. All of the orders uh, are being taken from now through November fourth. And then the distribution will be on Sunday, November 14th. So make sure you get your orders in by November 4th. We come together this morning to worship God, so let us be in an attitude of worship. And I invite you to stand as you are able. Good morning. Please join with me in the call to worship. Come all who look for God with unseeing eyes. Come all who listen for God but hear nothing. Oh, that we knew where to find God. We want to hear and understand God's Word. The Word of God is living and active. It pierces and judges and opens us to God's grace. We cannot hide from God who knows us. God understands our thoughts and intentions. Leave everything to follow Jesus in this hour. This is the time to embrace new ways. Here, Here we, we set, set the, the patterns, patterns for of everyday, everyday life. life. Here, Here we, we are, are strengthened, strengened for, for every day's challenges. Join with me in the opening hymn, Lead On, O King Eternal. shall see 
Please join with me in the opening prayer. God of, God of truth, truth, you have, you have spoken, spoken your, your word to us and in us, but we, we have not listened to you. We have, we have not, not been mindful of your presence or attentive to your voice. Have mercy on us, forgive us now, and create us anew. We open ourselves to your word. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite Mrs. Kultice up here to say a few words. As some of you know, October has been designated for the last several years as Pastor Appreciation Month. And the second Sunday is specifically the Sunday that we recognize pastors throughout the country. We are very, very fortunate to have Pastor Andy leading us and shepherding us in this congregation. And we hope that offering words of encouragement to him is not something that's done only during the month of October. But we want you to be particularly intentional in expressing your appreciation for all he does and to let him know specifically how he is making a difference in your life, the life of your families, and the life of this congregation. Pastor Andy is humble and not anyone who would seek this. He did not know this was happening, but we do uh, want to acknowledge him and uh, just let him know how much we care. He's on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. His life is very unpredictable. He is, it's actually predictably unpredictable. He knows uh, some things that are regular, but he never knows when he's going to get a call, when he's going to need to leave. And so that brings up his family. They are a very, very important piece of his life and the life of our congregation because their plans have to change sometimes on a minute's notice. And on a regular basis, he's out many, many evenings for meetings. So we thank him with that. Um, during this particularly very, very difficult time, there have been so many things that are unpredictable, but he and other pastors have functioned at times um, helping people financially, physically, and spiritually as we've been dealing with this global pandemic. Pastor Andy and the administrative board have had to make decisions over the past few years that have been very, very difficult ones, ones that we never expected to have to make. And um, as the spiritual leader of faith community, each dis decision comes with the realization that some people will be happy with that decision and there will be others that maybe won't be happy with those decisions. But those decisions are made in what we feel are the best interest of our congregation and, um, you know, individuals as well. Um, so let's support Pastor Andy and his family. And we also want to support the lay staff, our 
church could not operate without our lay staff and also with the many volunteers who make our worship services on Sunday morning, whether it's the ushers, the acolytes, the people who offer their gifts of music. Um, So we just um, ask you during this month to be very, very intentional. We'll be giving you some suggestions about other ways, but uh, just didn't want this day to go by without recognizing him. So please thank Pastor Andy with me for all he does and continues to do and his family. Okay, our epistle reading for today is from Hebrews chapter 4, 12, verses 12 through 13. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of, of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Our prayer hymn for this morning is, Breathe on me, breath of God. Before the pastoral prayer, I invite us to join together in a time of silent prayer as we offer our petitions to the Lord in silence. 
Breathe on us, breath of God. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in this hour as we gather in this community to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace that has been upon us from before we were even conscious. You have been with us, leading the way. Time and time again, we have wandered from your path and gone our own way. Time and time again, we have gotten ourselves into trouble, gone down the path of sin. And Lord, time and time again, you have chased after us, turned us around and brought us back to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for never, never giving up on us, for always drawing us back to you. And so we pray, Lord, that you will forgive us once more redeem and restore us to your holy presence. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation, this community of faith where we can come together to know your love, to experience your love for one another, to share that with one another through encouragement and prayer, through words of hope, through acts of of love and service. And Lord, we pray we will reach out with that same spirit of love to others that don't yet know you, so that through the, the actions and words and expressions of this church, they might know that you are a God of love and redemption. Lord, we pray for your grace now in this time of worship, but not just now as we gather together to worship you, but in our day-to-day lives, when we are facing those, those struggles and challenges that we will not turn away, but that we will rely wholly on you. For you are a holy God, and you call us to holiness. Strengthen us for that task. We pray in Jesus' precious and holy name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. and Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Invite the ushers to come uh, and pass the, the plates as we offer ourselves to God through the giving of our tithes and our offerings.
Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Thank you, God, for the wealth you have entrusted to us. As we share a portion of that wealth, we pray that it may never become the object of our affection. Keep our focus on people and relationships and lasting values rather than on the possessions we can accumulate. We dedicate our time, money, and ourselves to the reign of God among us, praying that all whom our gifts may reach may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go. Sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is, is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God, for God all things are possible. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Bells. I learned this week that you do not play handbells, you ring handbells. So thank you for ringing this morning in worship. Sometime recently, I uh, led an event, and, and my wife was, was there to observe it, so afterwards I, I asked her, uh, how did I do? And she paused for a moment, and she said, do you want the truth? <laughs> I responded, no. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> I, I know that if she asks me that, she has something to say that's not entirely complimentary, and at the moment I didn't particularly care to hear that. I just wanted to hear how well I had done. Actually, that's the truth most of the time. I'm not one that takes criticism lightly. If you need to give me some constructive criticism, please make sure that you butter me up a little bit first. Staff Parish is going to be doing my annual evaluation soon. I hope that they're taking notes. But I'm not really confessing anything here, though, that's not true of most people. We like to hear what we're doing well, and no one enjoys hearing where they're not doing well. I mean, we need to hear it. Otherwise, how could we improve? You, you can't fix what you don't acknowledge is a problem, but that doesn't make it easy to hear. Our egos can easily get in the way when we refuse to listen to our faults and failures. Our reading from Hebrews this morning says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is piercing. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is the Bible, the, the Scriptures by which God speaks to us, by which God communicates to us His Word, who is Christ, the one to whom each person must render an account. Hebrews says that the Word of God is living and active, meaning that God continues to speak to us today through the words of Scripture and through His Son. But we don't always like hearing what the Word says to us. I mean, sometimes the Word is good, it's comforting, it's consoling. We like to hear that. When, when Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my, I am meek and lowly and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We hear that Word and we say, thank you Jesus, that's just what I needed to hear. We hear the promise of the new creation where God will dwell among mortals and we will be His people forever, where He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Where nothing accursed will be found there anymore. And we say, yes, come Lord Jesus, may it be so. But not all of God's Word is as comforting as that. Some of it is challenging. Some of it is downright painful. It cuts, sharper than any two-edged sword. Why is that so? Well, because it reveals all of our faults and failures, those things that, that we want to keep hidden, those things that we don't even want to admit to ourselves. The Word of God does not ask, do you want the truth? It just tells it, whether you're ready for it or not. And if you're ready to hear it, it can be a 
convicting word that leads to repentance and a healing balm that leads to salvation. If you're not ready to hear it, it can lead to ultimate destruction. Our gospel reading from Mark 10 is a good illustration. A man ran up to Jesus, knelt before him, and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I think what the man wanted Jesus to say, and let's be honest, what we all want Jesus to say to us is, you're on the right track, you're doing great, just keep it up and you have nothing to worry about. Isn't that what we want Jesus to say to us? You're doing a good job. You're, you're in church on a regular basis, you go to Sunday school, you give your tithe, you pay your taxes, you, you don't cheat, you don't steal, you don't cuss in public. You're faithful to your spouse. You're dependable at your job. You serve on committees. You volunteer when you can. What more could I expect from you? You are a model disciple. When the kingdom comes, you are certainly on the way in. When I ask Jesus how I'm doing, that's what I want him to say. Jesus didn't answer the man's question directly. Instead, he pointed him to the scriptures why did he point him to the Scriptures? Well, because that's where the answers are found. That's where the truth is given. That is where we see ourselves laid bare before the one who is our judge. You know the commandments, said Jesus. And then he named several of them. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. The man began to feel pretty good about himself. He had been keeping all of these commandments for years. I've kept all these since my youth, he declared with pride. Perhaps that's why Jesus named these specific commandments and not others. Did you ever wonder why Jesus chose to name these commandments and left others out? Jesus could see into the man's heart. He knew everything about him. I suspect that in selecting these particular commandments, Jesus was beginning with the ones that the man was careful about the ones that he was already good at keeping, perhaps to encourage him, perhaps as a way of saying that he was on the right track. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, just keep doing this and you're in. No. Jesus raises the stakes. He says, there's more. He, he says that there is something that the, that the man is not doing yet, that he still needs to get right before his salvation is assured. Now, before we get to what that additional requirement is, Mark tells us one other significant detail. He says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said. Loved him. Mark takes the time to emphasize, just before telling us what Jesus will require of the man that will cause him to turn away grieving, possibly to his own destruction, Mark tells us that Jesus loved the man. That's a very important detail, perhaps the most important detail of this entire story. We need to be very clear about this. Why did Jesus tell the man what he was lacking? where he was failing, because he loved him. Why did Jesus challenge the man to go further into his discipleship, further than the man was willing to go? Because he loved him. 
we have this false assumption in our society that the most loving thing you can do for someone is to tell them, you're perfect just the way you are. That to love someone is to tell them, you don't need to change a thing. That is just simply not the way of the Bible. It is not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of God's Word. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing until it divides soul from spirit, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus was able to judge the thoughts and intentions of this man's heart. He, he knew that there was something that this man loved more than he loved God. That there was something that this man trusted in more than he trusted God. And Jesus knows. The Word of God knows that a man is not saved when he is in that condition. Jesus loved the man. He loved him too much to allow him to remain in that condition of idolatry. Idolatry. That was one of the Ten Commandments that Jesus had not named earlier in this passage. You shall have no other God before me. That is the first and foremost among the commandments. But when the man first asked the question, what he must do to be saved, Jesus didn't start with that one. Why? Because there's no way the man could have claimed to be getting that one right. I mean, he might have tried to claim it. He might even have believed it for himself, but he would have been deadly wrong. Jesus began with the commandments that the man was good at keeping. But he didn't stop there and say that's good enough. No, he, he pressed on and he pointed out that there is a commandment, indeed the first and foremost commandment, that the man was not keeping. And until he came face to face with his idolatry and gave it over and gave it up, he was not yet ready for the eternal kingdom. He was not yet saved. Jesus loved him too much not to let him know that. It's been commonly pointed out by probably everyone who has ever preached on this gospel lesson that Jesus was not issuing a general command to all Christians. This was a particular situation between Jesus and this one specific man. Jesus, seeing into the man's heart, knew what was holding him back from true and complete faith. He, he knew that the man loved his possessions more than he loved God, and that's why Jesus told this man that in order to be saved, he must sell all he owned and give the money to the poor. That is what this one man in this story had to do in order to be saved, not what everyone needs to do in order to be saved. However, don't think that that lets you off easy when it comes to this passage or when it comes to money and finances in general. To anyone who says, well, I would be willing to do this if Jesus asked it of me, that willingness is enough. Thank God he hasn't asked. Is it possible you might be fooling yourself? Do you give the full tithe? Let's start there. Because that's the bare minimum that God asks of everyone in Scripture. He may, ne he may never ask you or me or anyone else in this room to sell everything we own 
and give all the money to the poor and then come follow him owning nothing to our name. But he has asked you and me and everyone else in this room to give him the first 10% of everything you earn, everything you're given, everything that comes into your possession by whatever means. The first 10% belongs to God. Are you giving that full 10% willingly, gladly, faithfully, obediently? If not, then don't for a second fool yourself into believing that you don't love possessions more than you love God or that you trust, don't trust in your possessions more than you trust in God. If you don't trust that God can make enough provision for you out of the 90% that you have left after giving the full tithe, then you just simply don't trust God. Let's be honest about it. If you don't trust God with the tithe, then you have an idol. You do have something that you love and trust more than God, and you are in the same exact position as the rich man in Mark 10. Now, if you do give the full tithe, willingly, gladly, faithfully, obediently, then you may be saying to yourself right now, whew, glad I'm off the hook on that one. Not so fast. Going back to the story from Mark 10, this man that was talking with Jesus, this rich man who went away grieving because he had many possessions, we can pretty much assume that he was a tither. Why is that? Well, he was very careful about keeping the commandments, following all the rules and regulations of the Jewish religion. When Jesus named several of the commandments, the man proclaimed proudly that he had kept all of these since his youth. Giving the tithe was one of the basics that all faithful Jews did in those days. He wouldn't have even thought about coming to Jesus with this question about salvation unless he was already following every regulation he could think of. So even though this passage doesn't explicitly mention the tithe, you can be certain that this man was very careful in giving the full tithe. But it also seems that he was very careful in not giving more than was required. He comes to Jesus asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? What is the bare minimum standard that I can get away with? How much is enough when it comes to getting into the kingdom? As far as money and possessions go, his religion told him it's 10%. 10%. Give the first 10% and you can do whatever you want with the rest. But Jesus asks for all of it. And so he does with all of us. Now by saying he asks all of us for all of it, I don't mean that he commands us like he did with the rich man to sell everything and give it all away. But he does ask us to put it all at his disposal. He does ask us to place everything we have at the service of the kingdom. After you give the first 10%, which, good for you, that, that's the first step, but it's only the first step. After you give the first 10%, are you willing to give more when God asks it of you? And not just give it, but, but pray about how you spend it? 
Are you faithful and responsible in what you do with the other 90%? Do you use it in ways that further the kingdom? Do you spend it in ways that are honoring of God? Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your money and your possessions, all of your money, all of your possessions, if they are not all given over to how God wants you to use them, then neither is your heart. Let's move away from money now, because this gospel lesson, it's about possessions, and that's an important thing to talk about, because for many of us, that can be the number one thing that keeps us from fully following Jesus. But it's not the only thing. And the implications of this scripture go far beyond that. Why did Jesus ask this man to give up all of his possessions? He asked him to give up all of his possessions because that was what was tripping him up in his faith. But if there had been something else tripping him up in his faith, Jesus would have demanded him to give up that thing. Because when it comes to the question of salvation, whatever it is, that is coming between us and God. Whatever it is that is coming between us and God must be removed. Whatever that thing is in your life that is getting between you and God, whatever that sin may be, whatever that idol is in your life, sooner or later, Jesus is going to point it out. And he's going to tell you, you need to give it up. You need to put that away. You need to turn it all over to God. He's going to tell you that because He loves you. He loves you too much not to tell you that. It might not be what you want to hear, but it is what you need to hear for salvation. Jesus loves you too much not to show you where you are falling short why you are in danger of eternal destruction. He loves you too much to allow you to go on forever blinded by your sin and self-justification. He loves you too much to tell you you're already doing good enough when the truth of it is none of us are doing good enough. None of us could ever be good enough, perfect enough to earn our way into heaven. So he's going to show you where you've missed the mark. And he's going to call you to repentance. And he's going to command you to put aside that which you have allowed to take God's place in your life. And then, then he is going to say to you, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Because coming to him in faith, surrendering ourselves to Him. That is the only way to salvation. After this interaction between Jesus and the rich man, when when the man went away grieving because Jesus had set the standard so incredibly high, the disciples questioned Jesus, then who can be saved? For mortals, it is impossible, answered Jesus. For mortals, it is impossible. You cannot 
ever, no matter how hard you try, ever do enough, ever give enough to earn your salvation. For mortals, it is impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. God is the one who saves us. Only God can save us. And he does that through his son, Jesus Christ. Come, follow me, says Jesus. That is the only way to salvation. And when I do follow him, when I do follow him, I find out that that does not negate everything else. Faith in Jesus doesn't mean it no longer matters what I give or or how I live or, or what sins I justify and turn a blind eye to. Following Jesus means that I have given it all over to Him. I trust Him in everything. I give Him my life. And in return, I find life. Eternal life in Him. How much is enough? Only everything. Only Jesus. Amen. I invite you to stand as you're able now and turn in the hymnals to uh, 389 for our closing hymn, Freely, Freely. God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again in Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name I come to you to share his love as he told me to. He said,
Go now following Jesus in all things, giving him all things. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.